As I said, we've gone through a tough series. It's a necessary series. It's important that we're in this church, or really in any church, we're not ashamed to look full in the face of who God is. And I think it's important, obviously. We saw God's wrath be poured out all throughout the Old Testament. We saw how Jesus talked about eternal damnation. We saw the future coming judgment in in the Revelation. Then we looked at God's wrath being poured out on the cross, right? We saw the atoning work of Jesus. Praise God, we need that, right? Praise God, we need that. Last week, I think we talked about the Word of God. So my point in, in connecting those three things is to say that we have the trustworthy, inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word of God. We have it. We can trust it. Now, whether we choose to believe it or live by it, that's, that's, that's a personal matter. That's between you and God. But we have the Word of God. He's told us what He's like. He's told us what He expects. And He's told us how we are to respond to what He has said to us. So as I thought about these things, I thought it would be good to talk about, to, to pull these three things together and talk about the fear of the Lord. Multiple times in Scripture, God commands us to fear Him. So I'm, I'm afraid that your average Christian, if you ask them, what does that look like? What does that mean? What is God saying? I'm, I'm afraid your average Christian couldn't talk very long about what that means. So I wanted to address that. wanted to address that this morning. You guys know Proverbs 9:10, "The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding." Okay, all right, here's the value. Here's the value of what we went through for eight sermons on the wrath, vengeance, recompense, and terror of God. Here's the value. What's the value? Proverbs 9, 10. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if we don't have full knowledge about Him, then we don't fully understand Him or anything else in life. If we don't understand God, we have no appropriate or accurate assessment of anything in life we were driving in this morning you know you always see people walking running whatever and I told I told Karen I don't know if you've ever had this thought I have it all the time I don't know what my life would be if I did not have God in it I just think I think I'd be dead I really do I'm, I'm not it, this is not hyperbole I think I would be dead I would be bored to death if I didn't have God to look at and love and worship and adore and and, and obey if he wasn't always calling me to a higher place with him right if I wasn't always moving forward with, with the Lord. I don't know how people who don't worship God, I don't know how they survive. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let me read Psalm 111.10 to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a famous, you guys know this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 23, 17, live in fear of the Lord. How often? Always. The writer of the Proverbs says, always. Not sometimes, always live in the fear of the Lord. Ecclesiastes uh, 8, 12, the wise king tells us, I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. The Bible says it will be well for those who fear God, who fear Him openly. Yeah, this is not a secret. I'm a follower of Yahweh. I live according to His Word. I submit to His Word, right? 
I love these commandments from the Lord. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He's not unclear, is He? If you don't know who He is, you have no understanding. That matters. That you may be able to function in a marriage and hold down a job, but you have no understanding that matters. An understanding that will usher you into eternity. And as I, I was thinking about that, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It made me think about that, that mantra that we were uh, sharing early on in the series about God. We must deal with the magnitude of what it means for God to be God. We saw it here in the text. We're commanded to fear Him. This is where wisdom begins. If you don't fear Yahweh, by definition, you're a fool. I mean, this is just logic and, and, and rational reasoning. We are directed to fear Him, as I said, always. Not sometimes, not when I feel spiritual, always. You're to bring that fear of God down into the minutia of your life. Always, the text says, we are to fear Him. Always. We are to live in it. We are to fear the Lord. And we are instructed that it will be well for those who fear God. I, I was just in my Word, my Microsoft Word processing program, and so I just thought, well, I'll just check the synonyms for well, right? You know what they are. Uh, the first one that came up was healthy. It's a healthy thing to fear God. We could use that synonym. It's a healthy thing. A couple of the other ones were, it's a fine thing. It's a thriving thing. It's a good thing. It's a fortunate thing to fear the Lord. And if we don't fear God, the opposite would be true, right? It would be unhealthy. It would be bad. It would be calamitous. So what do we take away from these instructions, these commands to fear the Lord, I think what we're to understand is this is a very good thing. Fearing God is a very, very good thing. Some of you may not be sure, but by the time I get to the end of the sermon, you'll understand, right? It's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. And again, the Christian should not fear the fear of God. All right? The Christian should not fear in fact, I will share with you personally what I have found. The deeper I go with God, this is personal, the deeper I go with God, the more I look at Him and all of His revealed attributes, the more beautiful and powerful and meaningful and fulfilling I find my Christian walk. If you're not fulfilled in your Christian walk, you're not looking at God. It's just... You know, as I talk to many people down through the years of pastoring, and I, I'll ask them, I say, are you looking at God? Well, what does that mean, Jim? It means I'm looking at God in the Word. I'm learning more about Him. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, right? You got a problem? The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You've got an issue? The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know, that's the foundation, right? That's always the foundation, for us, And I'll say this, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't understand about the fear of the Lord, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> okay, I lovingly say to you that you are doing it wrong. We are supposed to know that we were created and redeemed to tremble before our creator with complete delight. We tremble with 
delight. And if you don't know what that means, then you need to begin to, to, to tease that out in your life, to tremble with delight. We're going to see it in the texts that we look at as we go through the sermon. It's always Psalm 211. Psalm 211. Worship in reverence, rejoice in trembling. Don't you love that? Okay. <laughs> Worship in reverence, rejoice in trembling. Rejoice in trembling. Don't you love that? What does that mean, Jim? Well, I'm not sure I can even properly articulate that. Rejoice in trembling. We'll try to, we'll try to tease that out a little bit as we go through the sermon. One thing is true, a deep peace and enduring joy will arise through the sanctifying process of yielding ourselves up to God. You know, again, just counseling with many people over the years, you find out that people have not really yielded up their, their lives and all that they have and all that they own and all that they hope to be to God. It, really, they haven't. They're still hanging on to something. They, they're still, God can't go, you know, I still have this little area that I won't allow God to enter into and have control of, Right? I've heard this many, many times. Sometimes it's hard. It's like pulling a tooth. It's like, it's like uh, getting that, that root canal. You know, it's like, it's like pulling it out of them to realize I've not truly surrendered my life and all that I am and all that I have to God. Now, this would be part of a proper fear of the Lord looking at the Holy One. So the, the implication here resident in these biblical commands that I have given you is that one, that to truly fear the Lord is to fear nothing else. Don't you love this? Okay. <laughs> Are you anxious? <laughs> Are you fearful? You're not fearing God. To fear God is truly to not fear anything else. I'm not saying that it doesn't well up in us, but we know how to, we know how to preach it down. We know how to deal with it because we understand about the fear of the Lord. Secondly, that to truly fear the Lord is to be progressively liberated from every form of anxiety and every form of temporal sin and slavery. So this fear of God, it liberates us. And we were wired for this, right? To fear God and nothing else. We were wired. This is how we were wired and redeemed to live. To fear the Lord and nothing else. You know, it's the Hebrews 11 it's the Hebrews 11 kind of life. So I, I think you guys all know this, but I'll say it. Denominations and creeds and confessions and doctrinal orthodoxy cannot touch what I'm talking about. This is a personal relationship with your creator. That's what we are talking about. Again, denominations, creeds, religious activity, doctrinal orthodoxy is not our end. It's a means to an end. Yahweh is our end. We're always trying to move toward God. We always want more of God. So here's how some people become a Christian. It was my experience. I, I was converted as an adult, I think, you know, at 28. But this was pretty much my experience. This is the story of many. You know, you're a rational person and you see the, the genius and the, the magnificence of the created order. And you know, there has, to be a, there has to be an adequate first cause. There has to be a creator. There cannot not be a creator. 
you happen to be blessed. You, your, your parents are Christian and they take you to a Christian church, right? They, they take you on Sunday to a Christian church. And Well, okay, the biblical God satisfies the need for an adequate first cause, right? I, I know there has to be an adequate first cause. And so the biblical God, he, he serves that purpose. So bam, there it is. I believe. I believe in the Christian God because I have to have an adequate first cause. And he's the most likely candidate that I've come across so far. So I believe. This is how belief comes to many, many Christians who are raised in the church, right? He's really a, he's really a necessary presupposition. <laughs> That's what he is. He's a necessary presupposition. I have yet to see him as God, as, as glorious, as wonderful, as desirable, as compelling, you know? I've yet to see him like that. But I believe in this superficial, nominal way. There's never any real fear or trembling. There never really is. He's just a necessary presupposition. I parrot the right words. I pray the right prayers. I do the right ordinance. I'm a Christian. But is that how God, is that how God talks about a real Christian in the, in the Bible? <laughs> I think we know better than that. So what's the solution? What's the solution? If God is simply a mere presupposition for my existence, how do, how do we get past that? How do I move from nominalism and pseudo-Christianity to becoming a true believer you know the answer. Seek God. You guys know the great text, Jeremiah 29, uh, 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So the finding the fear of the Lord is in the seeking. Now we know that this text was addressed to the Old Testament Hebrews. This is a specific promise to the Old Testament Hebrews, but it's, it's uh, true in general spiritually. To seek God is to find God. To genuinely seek God is to find Him. And where do we seek Him? We seek Him here. So again, uh, as we talked about last week, and I'll echo last week, if you're not here, you've got a huge problem. If you're not here regularly, you've got a huge problem. Don't, let's not pretend, okay? If you're not a student of the Word, if you don't have an appetite for God and God's word, you've got a huge problem that you really need to get sorted out. I mean, maybe I'll, I could help you sort it out, but really only God could help you sort this kind of problem out that you profess to love him, but you don't care anything about this. This is a huge, huge problem. So the solution for the, shall we say, nominal Christian, even the born again immature Christians. Seek God. Say, Jim, I don't truly fear the Lord. Seek God. Seek Him. And the beautiful promise again is that we will find Him. And in finding God, in finding God, we learn that everything is grace. You know, you can't be a victim anymore if you know the biblical God. You can't be a victim anymore. Now you can you can't, shall we say, rationally be a victim anymore. You can still play that game in your head. But to understand the biblical God and some of the things we've talked about the last 10 weeks, right? 
You simply can't be a victim with any integrity, scriptural integrity. You can't be a victim anymore. You're not a victim. You're a rebel. And you realize that every good thing that comes into your life is only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God, right? Everything's grace. If you're not in hell, it's grace. This is a, a valuable perspective for life. As an old man, I share with you. What's one of the most valuable perspectives I've ever gotten in life? If I'm not in hell, God's been gracious. It's an important aspect of what I think the Lord would have us know and understand. So how do we grow and mature? We look at God. And the more we look at God in the Word, the more terrifyingly magnificent He becomes. And I, I want you to adopt this, this phrase, at least into your, shall we say, your heart lexicon anyway, even if you don't use it. Terrifyingly magnificent. I stole this from John Piper. God is terrifyingly magnificent. He's terrifyingly magnificent. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He is terrifyingly magnificent. If you don't understand Yahweh this way, then you've not understood him biblically. In the modern church, we've talked about this, but there's this, there's this missing echo of the terrifying nature of God. Why is the sinner terrified? Because he's holy and we're not. We've talked about that at length. So why do... Most churchgoers not truly fear God. They do not seek Him in the Word and they do not look at Him in the Word. Very simple. Why do most churchgoers not truly fear the Lord? They do not seek Him in the Word and they do not look at Him in the Word. I'll give you a brief testimony. Some of you know I wrote a book on creation. And uh, the title is, it just comes from, I think it's, if I can remember correctly, Psalm 29. Everything says glory. I spent two and a half years just immersed in the, the, not only the word, but the science, trying to, to take a deep dive on who God is as the creator. You know what happened? <laughs> he just blew up my heart. So I challenge you, just write a book. You, know, you don't have to publish it. Just write it, though. Make yourself study that hard. But he blew up my heart. As I looked at him as creator, I mean, he blew up my heart. I spent two and a half years just, you know, thinking and deliberating and connecting dots about, about the creation and the creator, and he blew up my heart. He changed me. And I can't, I can't go anywhere anymore without seeing him in the created order. There's a huge problem if you don't see him out there. I can't look at a dog and not worship. Now you say, Jim, you're... You're wacky. I cannot look at a dog, especially one of those that has, a, you know, those dog personalities. You know, they just the, ta the tail's always wagging. You know, I cannot look at a dog and not worship at the genius of a dog. Now, yeah, just the, the symmetry, the beauty. But I'm, you, you go deeper. The genome, it's code. <laughs> you know, this is why we know that there's a creator. Somebody had to write the code. Code doesn't just spontaneously erupt from nowhere. The DNA, the code, right? I can't go to the grocery store and walk through the produce section without worshiping God. 
because of the, the manifold tastes, shapes, colors, uh, textures. And it, it's all designed to, 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 to make a circus in my mouth, right? God created food not only to sustain us, but there's a circus in, a, in my mouth. You think taste buds just evolved? God did it. God gave you the taste buds so you could taste the glory of what he makes, right? <laughs> my point is, my point in telling you all this is that I, I took a deep dive on one aspect of God as creator and I was changed. And I'm saying to you, if you're not changing in the Lord, then you're not looking at him enough. The same thing happened for me, you know, the book we just preached through Dangerous God. Uh, I spent, I spent uh, two years looking at God as judge, looking at God's justice, right? His righteousness, just looking at that, just looking at that, reading the historical biblical accounts, reading Jesus talking about eternal condemnation, reading about uh, Jesus' revelation to John about future judgment, just going deep in it. Well, it changed me. It changed me. I fear him more and love him more. And I hope as a true believer, you can understand. Both of these things coexist in the regenerate heart, right? There's a fear of God and a deep and abiding love for God. For many people, this feels like or seems like an oxymoron, but it is not for the born again. So so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So finding the fear of the Lord is in the seeking of Him in the Word. Growing that fear is in the looking at Him in the Word. So how do we go about living out this fear? This is the easiest part. You just, you just embrace the freedom that comes when you don't fear anything else. To fear God is to fear nothing else. I don't have to worry about anything else except obeying the Lord. I obey the Lord. This flows out of fear. I obey the Lord. I fear God. I don't fear my boss. I don't fear circumstance. I fear God. Right? I fear God. I don't fear the, the future or uncertainty. I don't even fear my death. <laughs> to live as Christ to die is gain. I don't fear because I fear the Lord. Right? I just incarnate this freedom. This is what the fear of the Lord looks like. I just live free. I'm free. I'm free. This is what the proper fear of the Lord looks like in a Christian's life. You know what Paul says to the, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says, I am being transformed. Is this true of you? I hope that you can look at your Christian life 12 months, 18 months, 24 months ago, and you're not the same. You're supposed to always be moving on with God. It, it, your Christianity should have, should have different dimensions here than it had back here. And if it doesn't, then that's on you. It's not on God. If you're bored with God, that's on you. It's not on God. I can't tell you how many people I talk to. They seem to be bored with God. I don't understand this. I guess I do understand it on a human level. They, they're not looking at him. They're not loving him. They're not pushing the envelope of obedience. It's because they, at the base level, they don't really fear him. He's a necessary presupposition, but I don't fear him. I don't believe I should 
build my life around who he is and what he's done and what he's promised. I really don't, you know. Sad reality. Let me read that 2 Corinthians 3.18 text for you. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. We are perpetually being changed by looking at God in the Word. And to look at God in the Word is to learn about God, and that is to see God everywhere. I can't tell you how much fun it is to see God everywhere. If you're not seeing God everywhere, you're not thinking about it right, okay? You're supposed to see Him everywhere. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was in this Bible study, and I would always go down. There was a lake about two miles from where I lived, and I would go down there early in the morning before work, and I would study, right? I'd do my Bible study. And the ducks would come in. Now, a duck is an amazing animal. You think about it. It's an amazing machine, right? They fly, they swim, they dive, they fish, and then they fly off. But, I mean, to watch the ducks just continually come in. Yeah, the aerodynamics of it, right? The, what's the word I want? The naval, that's the wrong word. The navigational aspect on on water. I mean, it's just these amazing little creatures that God has created. My point here is the liberty we have in looking at God. Are you not free? You're not looking at God. Are you bound up with sin or fear or anxiety or concern or selfishness? You know, we we sang the song, right? She was praising God for being set free. She was saying, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. The free, the the fear of, of the proper fear of God will deliver you. Say, Jim, I'm not delivered. You're not fearing God. That's why you're not delivered. Just keep looking at Him. Just keep looking at Him. Just keep looking at Him. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, those of you who are mature, you know how it goes. It's always Daniel 11.32. The people who do know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Amen? That flows from the proper fear of God. Your average church member doesn't know anything about that verse. They don't know anything about Daniel 11.32. Right? They know where the church is. They know how to take a shower, clean up, come, show up, sit, be a spectator, and leave. They know how to do that. They don't know anything about Daniel 11. 32, to seek God is to find God, to look at God is to be liberated by the sheer awe and magnificence of who He is. If you're not in perpetual awe, it's on you. Look at God in the Word. And if you need to, write a book that nobody buys. It's okay. This is what happens. This is, this is what I do. I write books and nobody buys them. It's okay, I don't write them. I don't write them for people to buy them. I write them for me. Because I want to look at God more. And it's a discipline. It's a discipline for me. You know what the Apostle Paul told the the Galatians, Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. There it is. The freedom, the freedom that comes 
with a proper fear of God. So if you're not proactively seeking God, if you're not proactively looking at God, if you're not proactively finding your freedom in God, you will not walk with Christ as He has commanded. You will not do it. You will not do it. You will not live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you, which again flows out of a proper fear of who God is and what He's done in your behalf. So, you have to make this decision, right? Will you practice the fear of the Lord? Meaning, will you live it out when you go to work tomorrow? Or in raising your kids? Or in loving your husband? Or loving your wife? Or whatever. The list, the list is endless, right? The list is endless. Will you live it out? Will you do it every day? Will you consciously seek God in His Word? Will you look at God in His Word? Will you embrace His freedom? Will you obey God in accordance with His Word? Will you bring it down into the minutia of your life? This is when you know that you're doing it right. If you're bringing the fear of God down into the minutia. What is the minutia? I don't know. What do you look at for entertainment? Is God part of that? Is God part of what you look at as your entertainment? Would it please God that you're looking at for entertainment? Or to fill your dead time, would that please God? Could you sit with Jesus Christ and watch whatever it is you watch habitually? I'm talking about minutia. You know, when you're doing the when you're doing the hard thing that's part of your weekly routine, the thing that is uh, you know kind of brain dead, heart dead. You just got to do it. You know, can you bring God into that? Can you find joy in laying your hands on something to do that brings glory to God, which is doing an honorable thing, whether it's to serve yourself, your family, or your job, whatever? Are you bringing God down into the simple things? I got to tell you, my wife puts the love in the sandwich. I can taste the love in the sandwich. Say, Jim, you should make your own sandwich. I know I'm spoiled. She puts the love in it. I can taste it. Listen, if you're bored with your life, hey, it happens, okay? It happens. But we have a way to correct that. We can bring God down into it. How would it honor God for me to prosecute this thing that I must do? The conscious practicing of the fear of the Lord will lead us to obedience. John 14, 21. You guys that have been around for a while, I know you won't know it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But it's the verse that I use as frequently as any when it comes to obedience. John 14, 21. If you don't know John 14, 21, you have to go know this verse. Because when you hit a hard spot, this will keep you in obeying God. This will, this will help you to obey God. John 14, 21. What's the promise there? Anybody know? If you love me, what? You'll do what? And I'll do what? <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will what? Disclose myself to you. Now, why would any thinking, professing Christian not run into obedience when you have a promise like that? 
I will disclose myself to you, God says. I'll do that. I'll come to you. You get more of me in the obedience. Now, what professing Christian wouldn't run to obedience with a promise like that? That promise got me fired one time, and I, some of you know the story. I won't, go, I won't go into it. It was one of, the, one of the best days of my life. I stood there on the promise of God, and I got fired. It was great. <laughs> and of course, the Lord proved himself to be faithful. So one of the great perks that comes with fearing God is that we understand life's not about us. This is a great blessing. We, we, we know we're not victims and we know it's not about us. What a great blessing. What a great thing to learn. I, I, I assume all of you know this, right? <laughs> we're not victims and it's not about us. Man, that's liberating. I don't have to feel sorry for myself all the time, right? Everything in my life Everything in my life is about the glory of God. This is where the fear of God will take you. Everything in your life will be joyfully surrendered up to the one who gave you everything in your life. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. You're a steward of some, but you don't own anything. It's all your father's. None of it is yours. So why not be open-handed, right? Which is what he calls us to be. As uh, one preacher in the state says, you're just supposed to be a conduit, right? Whatever God, whatever God pushes, whatever resources he pushes into your life, you just, you're just a conduit, you know, he's pushing it through your life. Okay, I know most people, maybe some here, don't like the sound of fearing God. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you with this in the last few minutes. I'm going to help you with this. I think you'll like this. I think it'll be a blessing to you. I know it is to me. Nehemiah 1.11, he writes, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. We delight to fear your name. Now, if you're afraid of the fear of God, then then obviously we're doing something contrary or our thinking is contrary to what the Bible's telling us. Nehemiah understood that we are to delight to fear God. Again, I'll go back to Psalm 2.11. Worship the Lord with reverence, rejoice in trembling. We're supposed to, if we don't fully understand it, I can understand that, but we are to gravitate to this. We are to, we are to uh, incarnate this. We are to cultivate this. We're supposed to try to understand what rejoice with trembling means. What does it mean? <laughs> well, I think it's probably too big to understand. It's probably too big for me to, to uh, expound upon. But you know it, you know, you know it when you feel it. You know it when you experience it, right? <laughs> yes, we are wired to worship with reverence and rejoice with trembling. We were designed for this. We were redeemed for this. And regarding Jesus, the prophet writes this, Isaiah 11, 2 through 3, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, on Jesus, and he, Jesus, will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. And if he's to be our model, and of course he is, then we must learn what that means. We must learn what that looks like. We must pursue it. We must pursue what it means 
to delight in the fear of God. We must pursue this. And I want you to understand, I'm not trying to mitigate what the word fear means. I like what, I like what Francis Chan says about this American preacher. I love what he says about this. He says, fear needs no, it needs no interpretation. It means what it means. Just look it up. There are three different distinct definitions. Of course, reverence and awe is one of the definitions. And we understand that's where we fall as, as followers and lovers of Christ. It's a reverence and it's an awe. And even John, who personally knew and loved and walked with Jesus Christ, the God-man, bam, on his face as fast as he could. There is this element of proper reverence and awe before this God, right? And if you don't have this element in your Christianity, then you have no biblical Christianity. You've bought into some pseudo-Christ. That's just the reality. Isaiah was clear. God shall be your fear, Isaiah 8, 13. So, Piper makes, John Piper, famous preacher in the States, he makes this distinction for the believer and the unbeliever. So if, if some of you are still not sure how this all shakes out for the believer and the unbeliever, I want you to hear what he says. Listen to this. This is a great line. There is a terror when you are outside of Christ, right? There is a different kind of trembling when you're in Christ. I love this sentence. I think it's brilliant. I think as believers, we should be able to understand this. I'm going to read it to you again. There is a terror when outside of Christ and a different kind of trembling when you are in him. The trembling never goes away. And we're to delight in the trembling. I'm going to say four things I want you to hear. Okay. In respect to Piper's statement, there is a terror outside of Christ and a different kind of trembling in Christ. The rebel fears and trembles in one way. The born again fear and tremble in another. There is a perfect fear and dread for the unbeliever. There is a perfect fear and delight for the believer. I know there's maybe some tension here, but we just got to pull it in, right? So for the believer, it is a delighting in the extreme reverence and unqualified awe of God. Delighting, again, for the believer, delighting in the extreme reverence and unquantifiable awe of God. When I was thinking about meditating on this yesterday, that 1 Corinthians 2.9 came to my head. You know what it says. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. There is a there's some tension here, and it's hard for us to grasp all that we were talking about. But how could it be otherwise when you're dealing with an infinite being? <laughs> we're, supposed to, we're supposed to fear Him and delight in Him with trembling. What does that mean? I'm not sure exactly what all it means, to be honest. And I don't think it's up to me to explain it to you. I think you're just supposed to go experience it. I've got one long quote here from Piper, and I'm about done. Regarding how the believer fears God. Listen, I want you to hear this. How the believer fears God. For most of us, fear is something we want to get rid of, not get more of. 
If that's true of the fear of the Lord, then there is something wrong in our hearts. Okay? I think that's brilliant. Or there's something wrong with our understanding of what this fear means. Have you ever gathered up the spectacular promises made to those who fear God? They are so wonderful that you would think fearing God must be the most thrilling thing in the world, which it is. So I've gathered up the promises. There's eight explicit promises in the Bible about fearing God. Some of you already know some of them. I'm going to share them with you. Eight specific promises. Psalm 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him. He will make them know His covenant. Don't you love that? The secret of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. Again, we have God's watch care on those who fear Him. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him. And he rescues them. His eye is on us. He's encamped around us and he rescues us. You heard me read that text from our scripture reading earlier in the morning. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him, there is no want. Okay, there's no want. Are you, are you getting a sense of how good it is to fear God? I love these promises. Psalm 103, 13. The Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Amen. Psalm 103, 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Everlasting loving kindness for those who fear him. Does it get any better? Psalm 147, 11. The Lord favors those who fear him. He favors them. You know, you always hear these name it and claim it nonsense people talking about getting the favor of God. Yeah, just fear the Lord. Live in obedience, right? Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. There's the promise. It leads to life. All right, so I'm just going to give you a summary and I'm done from what we just read. Yahweh says, for those who fear me, there is my secret, my watch care, my rescue, my provision, my compassion, my everlasting loving kindness, my favor, and the gift of life. Psalm 130, uh, verse 4 says this, There is forgiveness with God that He may be feared. If we are biblically literate, we do not fear the fear of the Lord. If we are biblically literate, we do not fear the fear of the Lord. So I work, I'm going to close with Paul's statement to the Philippians. We're done. You know the famous verse, right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. If it's not there, we, we're worshiping some pseudo God. If there's no echo of fear and trembling before Yahweh, as the Apostle John, again, who knew him, I just think this is an incredible lesson that, we, that many of us miss. Bam. Extreme reverence. Unfathomable awe. If you don't have this, if this is not part of how you relate to God, then you've not understood who he is.
You've not understood who He is. And yes, of course, Jesus uses the word friend. (laughs) It's so big. It includes both. This walk with Jesus includes both, right? It's so big. Christianity is so huge. You have to just love it. So I exhort you, fear the Lord. Live your life large for the glory of the Son. Let's pray together.